This is Dr. Jeff Meldrum, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, Cassus Parian! Hey there, fellow zoners. You are in the Paranomaly Zone, your weekly dose of all things paranormal, strange, and mysterious. My name is Patrick Koffenberg, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, the tired of whining, Mr. Michael Carbno, the tired of whining. Yes, that's what he <laughs> described himself as during our pre-podcast banter. So I am. That's not on. That's not on me. That's on you. You said that yourself. I did because I, I, I hate it. I hate hearing myself every time I get up off the couch, <laughs> or you know the the scream or whatever. Oh, oh you mean that? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that has happened. God damn it! I still. I know. I can just imagine. I still can envision Mary just sitting on the couch, and you're you you're venturing to, towards the. The restroom, and she's in the middle of a very, you know, uh, dramatic, quiet scene in some particular movie, and then just out of nowhere, a big, loud crash, and <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you hear, "Can't even pee when I want to." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I should have. I should have brought that up. God darn it. <laughs> anyway. Yep. But yeah, it's just ridiculous, and I, I, I keep apologizing to Mary, and um, I know it's been talked to about talked. To, about on the show ad nauseum. <laughs> I've always wanted to use that. I never have used that. Hey, that was very, very um, good. <laughs> but uh, I'm impressed. Yeah, just you know, and okay, I'm I'm gonna just for a second. Yes, my back is is even worse. My nerve ablation is done, and I don't see the doctor until the end of this month and see what's gonna happen next. Mm. Okay, so I'm going so, to I'm going to uh, rephrase, relabel you then. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, the still whining Mike Carbono. <laughs> no, I'm done now. Okay, good. No, I'm, and you know what? You have I tease, but you have every right to to whine because your body is just in shambles, man. You need to. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a better. downward process. And you're gonna how the how the my hell? My knee and my feet. Can I ask you one thing? Because we're going to dive right into this little. Yes. This, Mike, let me know that he had. Some, he's been getting some very strong vibes about our. I have our our our, our visit to the Sally House. So I was going to ask you. You know, we're supposed to bring our own sleeping bags because obviously we cannot yes. lay on the beds. Right. Not that I, I was planning on doing that. Anyways, how the hell are you going to survive laying on the floor at the I'm Sally House? Gonna. Are you just you're going to stay up all night and stand? stand I am going to probably be sitting on the couch. With a with a blanket wrapped around me, 
<laughs> and okay. I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I might try and put my head back and 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 sleep. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of weird how that's going to turn out. I mean, I don't imagine sleeping very well. That's the thing. You man. know, that, I've been thinking about that too. It's we're going to be exhausted on the long drive home. Yeah. We're going to be in kind of that that state of we haven't slept at all for an like a day straight, basically. Yeah. And so I just want you to uh, please drive safe on that. Oh, I will be. I'll on be that for, daisy, on that yeah. daisy drive home. <laughs> I'll be uh, drinking um, uh, energy drinks, I'm sure. Oh, okay. So you're, you'll be extra jittery. Great. Well, yeah, but I can't do a whole lot because I got to think of my blood pressure that something will probably kill me from well, how about drinking you? too many yeah that's true <laughs> energy drinks how about you think of my mental well-being too for the entire drive yeah. home yeah that'll work too i don't know what's going to be more frightening our our experiences at the sally house or me trapped <laughs> in your vehicle <laughs> yeah on the drive there yeah. and the drive back i'm a terrible terrible passenger i mean I, I i'm not like one of those backseat drivers where ah. i'm pointing shit out you know and blah 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 ah, why are you doing this but as far as me I'm I, freaking out i'm freaking <laughs> out i'm like clenching the the handle on the you know on the door on the door rest whatever the armrest i should say and I, yeah i i won't be comfortable for a little while yeah but i'll come around I'll but come the around. trip is worth it well i hope so i definitely yeah. hope so. Well, well let's dive into it mike what is this vibe you were telling me about you texted oh, yeah. me this earlier today just kind of Very randomly, strong, kind of random. Strong vibes. Every time that you know, we're putting a lot of energy into this this trip. I mean, you know, mentally and uh, all of that. You know, there's a lot of energy going in into this. And uh, the last few days, it's been like at least three days. Every time that the Sally House or Sally comes up in my mind, and I'm thinking about it, and and uh, um, thinking about while we're there and what we're going to do and how it's going to go and all of a sudden very strongly and it's not me bringing it up debbie is there <clears throat> in my mind debbie. debbie yes the it's debbie debbie the as long time listeners know the, ding, yes. ding ding i don't know where your dingy bell's been lately but that's okay so don't hurt yourself trying to find it are you okay <laughs> okay no, um, as long-time listeners know, oh, I thought you grabbed it. As long-time listeners know, ding, 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 they all know, there you go, they all know what the <laughs> It's Debbie EVP is all about, and now you're saying when you think of the Sally House, for whatever reason, what, you get like yeah, an image, you get like images in your mind? Um, it, just barely, not enough even to, to kind of expound on or anything, but uh, the feeling, the strongest feeling is that and this is the conclusion that I came to from thinking about all this and figuring it out and getting the feeling of the answer is that Debbie, when we're there, Debbie's going to be there with us. Okay. That's really interesting. And this is something that this isn't just a one-time thing. This is new. No, it's been like the last three days. Like I said, why do you think that's it? And like what, what do you have? I don't know. Well, see Debbie and I, we have a relationship from the years at, we lived together, well, so to speak. Yeah. The interaction. She, she's got uh, a huge connection to you with um, the recording. 
and uh, uh, you know, trying to talk to her and communicate with her all those times. And I was just this last weekend. I was trying to find. And her. you were trying to find her grave. She she knows that. And the thing is, that's <laughs> two times now that I have searched and searched and searched, and I cannot find her headstone. I am I am uh, kind of flummoxed, and yeah. I'm kind of concerned. Uh, I don't know if it's just been totally overgrown or if it's been uh if she's been moved i don't know i have no idea what's going on there because yeah that's strange but yeah because yeah, it yeah, was found. With, we found that thing years ago so that, yes that thing, absolutely found it her, was found headstone so i it, i'm i'm a bit like i said flummoxed but please yeah. continue but yeah it, it's um the the relationship that we have with her over the years um and we've continued that relationship through this show, actually. I mean, obviously. That's a cool way of looking at it, yeah. You know, um, well, yeah, very seriously. Um, I just, to me, and what I feel and almost know is that she is definitely going to be there with us. It's like, you know, it's like there's a, there's a lineup of things that are coming together before we get there. Hmm. You know, and she's part of that. The house is part of that. The the three ghosts that are supposed to be there are part of that. Sally is a huge part of that. And and, and Sally, I, I mean, it's this the 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 children, the age group, the the relationship that we've had with Sally, and the energy we're putting into this trip. It brings it all together. Man, that's that's a definite new twist. I wasn't expecting you. I wasn't expecting that. That's for sure. Yeah, I didn't think you would, but you know. And still, when we get there, could be uh, absolutely nothing. But we're going to hope for the best. But right, right, exactly. But it would be so cool to get some kind of a Debbie connection so recorded while we're there. Okay, I'll be a little. I'll be a little weird here. I'll be a little bizarre. Is there any? Okay, let's say that this is legit. The, the vibes that you're getting is is, mm -hmm. is legit. Is Debbie perhaps? Um, but we're uh, assisting us in any way on our side for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't want. I don't want to go as far as saying protecting. No, there's there's gonna be no need for protection. But she will be there as a representative from the same side that the three are that are already there. Oh, and, I see. Oh, and great. it also and it also evens it out. There's three of us and three of them. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool, man. I like that. I like how you're thinking. It's been very strong, though. It's not just like, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if, you know. You know, I think it would be. A, I, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to to bring, like, some some incense or something if we're allowed to, to bring, like, quote-unquote protective. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you hmm. want to call those? I wonder. They said no candles. No candles. I wonder if incense is not allowed either. Mm. But well, right. Maybe we'll we'll stow some in our bag and and then uh, go from there. I thought yeah. you, I thought you were going to say we're going to stow a priest in our in your trunk and we're going <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. haul them all the way down yeah. there. Finally, my let them out. My, <laughs> my cousin Jamie, he'd be happy to come along. I'm sure. In the trunk or in the back seat? Yeah. Well, somewhere, but probably not in the trunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can just priest. <laughs> just popping up the trunk and this this <laughs> this manic just soaking wet from sweat, you know, <laughs> priest just leaps out at us. <laughs> uh. 
uh, leaps out with a K2 stuck to his face or something <laughs> like because he's laying on it. Though. That's right. <laughs> uh, 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 anyway. And of course, we are being 100% silly. We're not, we have no intentions yeah. of kidnapping priests. So no. <laughs> don't go spreading that rumor now. Yeah. But the whole Debbie thing, definitely. That's, that's been a, a real thing. That's really cool. So we'll man. see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I said, you know, and we're, we'll move on to our topic here uh, very soon. I, like I said, I, I have been wavering back and forth. You know, initially yeah. started up, I was kind of, I was very kind of like, kind of, kind of weirded out. But then I've been really, really positive about it. But that was just like earlier this week when I was kind of like, I, f- I had that little apprehensive feeling again. Yeah. But um, right now I feel totally fine. So it's going to be like that. It's going to be back and forth. Yeah, you know. it's been the same thing with me. And then I. When I get apprehensive about it, I start thinking about it, uh, Kansas um, barbecue. That's right. And that gets so, you through it. That gets you through it. That's right. Yep. I'm bringing home a big doggy to go tray. There you go. <laughs> for Mary. And then I'm going to snack off of that too. Yeah. Well, we're, Can't ta- wait. we're talking uh, <clears throat> one of the world's most, well, dare I say infamous? Yeah, I'll say infamous uh, mystery slash UFO, perhaps alien incidents. One of the better known, if not the most well known, we're talking about the Roswell mystery, the Roswell incident. Um, as longtime listeners know, ding, a lot of times we come up with our topics quite literally the day of recording. And we, uh, most more often than not, when we do that, those are topics that we're fairly comfortable with and we feel like we're fairly knowledgeable uh, regarding said topic. And so a hell of a lot of research isn't quite necessary. <laughs> Hopefully it's not noticeable to our listeners, but it was it was funny because when Mike and I agreed on this topic, it was either yesterday or earlier this morning. We're like, yeah, yeah, it's good to go, it's good to go, and I I explicitly texted to Mike about calling it, you know, making sure that we're talking the Roswell incident now. And then right <laughs> before we start recording, Mike's like, okay, Area Fifty One. So well, no, but. Uh, but you're good, though. You said you're still good uh, with yeah, Roswell. I'm definitely good. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Are you adjusting yourself right now, or is, what's, no, what's going on? Pulling my t-shirt down. No. Couldn't. <laughs> couldn't <quite laughs> Adjusting <tell> myself. <laughs> well, I couldn't quite tell what you're doing. It's just all I, <laughs> I saw you, like something was moving. Well, whatever. I won't. I won't describe it. Yeah. All right. Well, then, Mister Comfortable enough with the topic, let's get going with it. Um, the Roswell incidents. Before we start diving into some of the kind of the the well-known, I hate using the word conspiracy theories, but some of the well-known alien slash UFO related theories as to what actually happened here, we'll give you kind of the the nuts and bolts of it, kind of this the behind the behind the scene facts, I guess you know. As we all know, the Roswell incident took place near Roswell, New Mexico, back in 1947, and it involved the crash and recovery of a U.S. Army Air Force's high-altitude balloon, which, of course, went on to become the center of conspiracy theories. Now, what started it all is because initially, after this debris was recovered, uh, recovered by a rancher, by the way, a local rancher, W.W. Yes. W. Mac Brazel. Mac-brazzle. Oh, I said Brazel. I said Brazel. Maybe well, Brazel. yeah, you can say whatever you want. I suppose. Well, I say Brazel. You say <laughs> Brazel. You can you call him Mac Ice Cube as far as I care. Well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. no, that doesn't wrap right. a little bit for you. <laughs> but this material was discovered by rancher W.W. Mac Brazel, Brazel, however you prefer to describe it. 
And upon receiving this, when the uh, the U.S. military reported on it, they they absolutely sparked intrigue and mystery by claiming initially that the debris was from a quote-unquote flying disc. And that is what the military said. You got you to yeah. think of that point there. Uh-huh. They aren't going to come out with, uh, you know, ooh, let's uh, joke around and say this. Or, or, you know, public relations, it's exactly what they are. I mean, what, what put that out was public relations, and they had to go through the right, well, they must not have went through the right uh, um, uh, people to, to have this, to be able to sell the story or put the story out, not sell it, but, yeah. um, you know, they wouldn't have put that out there with just hearsay. No, I mean that, you know, that that was a huge decision to make. I mean, you know yeah. that's something not to be made lightly. It had to have would have had to have been uh, approved by somebody, you know, a right, like higher right. up officer. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make sense that that would have just been some joke that the yeah. military did. No, there wasn't just some low end, you know, Air Force cadet who was running towards yeah. the camera and say, "Oh, it's from a flying side <laughs> flying yeah. desk." No, this had to go through the uh, the the uh, upper echelon of the military ranks in order for this report to come out. At least, at least on that base, um, yeah, level. And by the way, when I said like not some little Air Force cadet, I'm not I'm not demeaning any sort of military ranking. They all start out as cadets. <laughs> you got that? I mean, I'm not right nowadays. When you're a public voice and you're doing podcasts you have to always make sure that everyone understands clearly everything yes. that you mean otherwise someone's going to be offended and you're going to be canceled so i just want to well when that. i was in the air force i was a lower middle and then middle and then whatever yeah. you know <laughs> you, were, uh, you were a middle level middle. of <laughs> so i accepted each one as it came and i thank you for your decade of service Yes, it was a fun decade. Very fun decade. Lots of, oh, you definitely told me some crazy fun stories. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't always fun, believe me. I was, but anyway. But, you know, after initially claiming that it was from a flying disc, they immediately retract, retracted that story the next day and saying that, in fact, was wreckage belonging to a weather balloon. And why did it get retracted? Yeah. I mean, and who would have retracted it? Yeah. After it got out, the higher, higher upset, uh, you know, like from the whole Pentagon area, possibly or wherever, they got word of this and they shut it down. Yeah, I mean, they you, said you have figure to it out, retract that. it, however you need to to make this go away. You can't ignore the simple fact that they change their story. Yes, quickly. Um, I maybe we're looking too deep into it, but man, it definitely makes you raise an eyebrow. Yeah, well, you know, and if it. Uh, if it was actually a balloon, a top secret uh, uh, mission that uh, had crashed or whatever, and they wanted to keep that a secret, but then why would they? Well, let's come up with a cover story mm-hmm. and say it was aliens in a flying saucer. Yeah, that's a, you know? okay. Yeah, what a great cover story. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, and the next day they figured out, nope, that's not going to work. Pull it. <laughs> and you have to consider, like, the, you know, like the, um, Political and social, like zeitgeist. I, oh, I, I absolutely! Like that, at that time, and we we were in we as in the United States and several other countries in like a flying saucer craze. Oh yeah! You know, just people coming out of the woodwork claiming to see flying objects, bright lights in the sky. This came what 
like almost a decade after Orson Welles' War of the Worlds sent the yeah, nation right, into a, right. a panic. Exactly. You know, and so this was fresh in everyone's minds. So let's just let's just continue the hysteria, and let's just say it's a flying saucer because we're the yeah. military and we want to remain uh, calm and cool and collected and make sure everyone's safe. So let's just send them into a panic. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, moving on, in 1994, however, it was finally revealed, Mike, you knew that, right? It was finally revealed that the balloon was part of a top se- of the top-secret Project Mogul. Mogul, yeah. Which sought to detect Soviet nuclear bomb tests. But, of course, that revelation did little to end the wacky conspiracy theorists, right? <laughs> 1947, as I mentioned earlier, United States, other countries in the midst of that flying saucer craze... And it was against this background that, we, well, we mentioned this already, when Mac Brazel discovered this unusual debris. The material included tin foil, rubber strips, sticks, and a, quote-unquote, rather tough paper, <laughs> end quote. Um, apparently, Mike finds that humorous. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the rather... Yes, and the- and the tinfoil has memory shape to it. That's um, that's right, yeah. though. You know, that's something that. Well, we'll get to him later. That's something that a, a major name—no pun intended—a major name, Major Jesse Marcel, he claimed to uh, to have brought some of this material back to his home. Right, and then Jesse Marcel Jr. throughout his life after he, mm-hmm. you know, and as an adult, um, um, continuing that story and carrying it on and keeping that story going. Yeah. You know, because his father brought it home and uh, showed it to his his son, and his son knew the story from the beginning when uh, his father brought home pieces of this crashed, whatever it might yeah. have been. Yeah, and including those you know seemingly metal strips, or like when right. you would crush them in your hand, or you would bend them in any sort of way, they would immediately, according yep. to Major Marcel, they would flatten out and go just return to its initial state as it was. Right. So that's interesting. So it's like something that definitely did not appear to be man-made, I suppose. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's, what, what is also interesting is that when it did unfold and return to its initial shape, it made uh, this noise. Yeah. Yeah. I like that noise. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where that came. <laughs> that's actually where the Looney Tunes found that because they're behind... <laughs> yeah. They're well, behind you know, all these conspiracies too, you know. So all the technology that we have uh, been using since crashed alien aircraft and the Looney Tunes tunes boing yeah. is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so wouldn't it be hilarious if actually the, the actual crash itself sounded like that? <laughs> Just bouncing off the you know. <laughs> I make myself yeah. laugh. I'm an immature little boy every now and then, but I'm envisioning that. The saucer just skidding off of the <laughs> ground and back and, you know, before it finally comes to a halt. <laughs> the, the boings get closer together and, and, and not as loud. Not as loud, right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, where do you think uh, Martin Martian came from? Well, very true. Mar- <laughs> you know? Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian, yeah. <laughs> well, Martin was his lesser known cousin that was... Kind of uh, in steerage. That's on very. The ship that's when it, very true. That is a good point. When it crashed, I forgot yeah. about. I forgot about him. Yeah, he, <laughs> he could a, not pay his bill, so they <laughs> put him in steerage. <laughs> <laughs> and in 
That was also kind of disconcerting is that when the, the flying saucer finally came to a halt, it seemed to be, uh, it seemed, it seemed, it was confusing to hear what appeared to be laughter, uh, coming from inside the saucer. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, I mean, it was, they're having too much fun. Just having laughter and every once in a while they scream. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, as I said, the material includes tinfoil, rubber strips, sticks, and a very tough paper, a rather tough paper. The following month, Mr. Brazel, Brazel took the items to the Roswell Sheriff, who in turn contacted the RAAF, the Roswell Army Airfield. After collecting the wreckage, the RAAF issued said extraordinary press release we talked about earlier, stating that a flying disc had been retrieved from a local ranch. The Roswell Daily Record immediately picked up the press release, and on July 8th, the story was printed with the headline, RAAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. But as we mentioned earlier, almost immediately, the military announced that the saucer had actually been a weather balloon carrying a radar target, a device some, somewhat similar to a box kite, which was made of foiled paper fastened to a balsa wood frame, or balsa. Yeah, that's what they said. It was uh, um, balsa wood, tin foil, and um, and scotch tape. Ooh. And and on the metal beams where they where the um, the uh, UFO people say that there were hieroglyphic type symbols on there. So the explanation for that from the other side is that was scotch tape with. Uh, like Christmas designs on it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that convinced me right there. Yeah. We're we're done talking about this right now. It's just it's just Christmas paraphernalia. Interesting. Roswell, yay or nay? Nay. Nay. <laughs> uh, it was then when the Roswell It was just tape and balsa wood. <laughs> and styrofoam. Um yeah. Uh, not long after that, the Roswell Morning Dispatch noted the new claim in a July 9th, 1947 article entitled Army Debunks Roswell Flying Disc as World Simmers with Excitement. <laughs> but, however, it should be pointed out that the interview did include portions of a chat with Mr. Brazel, who did not believe that debris he discovered was from a weather balloon because he says that he has actually discovered debris from a weather balloon before and... It was not similar in any manner. Yeah, it's just like a weather balloon goes down and you're, I think it kind of stays in one piece. It's like a stretched out, like, I don't know, whatever, but. Uh, <laughs> and I what don't know, he, whatever. I like that. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's not like scattered over a huge area of uh, like a debris field, which is what he had found, you know, the debris field in a. Um, with the tinfoil type uh, material all over the place. So, you know, it's, he would probably, yeah, I would say he would know the difference between a weather balloon and something that he's never seen before. No, I agree. Um, the Roswell incident kind of faded away in the subsequent years. Until about the mid seventies, actually. Well, and that really returned to the, to prominence with the release of the 1980 book, the Roswell incident by authors, Charles Berlitz and William L. Moore, mm. which in which they labeled the weather balloon explanation as a cover story. Yeah. They argued that the original debris, which they believed was from a crashed flying saucer had been flown to Wright field, later Wright Patterson air force base, which is near Dayton, Ohio. And the material from a weather balloon was 
hastily substituted. Now, the book was widely disputed. It sparked additional conspiracy theories, as well as a number of hoaxes. And, of course, all the hoaxes just really help, you know, people who are open-minded to this possibly being of alien nature, you know, because the hoaxes just add to the to the pseudo-skeptics, their arguments, you know. They just point, well, look at that. That was a hoax. Well, yeah, that was a hoax. That doesn't mean everything else was. Right. And then the fact, too, that, uh, you know, the story was out by the military, Um and even after that redaction came and with the the cover story or whatever it was, that still set the seed in many, many people that will never believe anything but that it was a flying saucer and that oh yeah. It's a it's a cover up because of how they pulled that story and everything. And yeah. There was a lot of people, a lot of a lot of believers born at that time. Then in 1984, alleged documents surfaced that were, well, I should say documents surfaced that were alleged to, to be classified memos concerning the Majestic 12, MJ-12, a supposed secret operation launched by President Harry S. Truman, launched in order to handle the Roswell incident. The documents, however, were later determined to be fake. No evidence was found to support the existence of MJ-12, and, of course, this was followed by an alleged alien autopsy film in 1995 that purported to show the dissection of an alien corpse from the Roswell incident. This was later deemed to be a fraud by the director itself. Now, we've talked about that video a, a, a bunch of times. Yeah, we have. Um, again, brilliantly done. I, I just It's eerie to look at and mm -hmm. watch, and a lot of effort and time went into that. If it yep. was indeed a fraud, uh, yeah, I can't. Did we do a yay or nay on that one? Those shades of gray. I don't remember if we did. Uh, it seems to me that's what we did, but I can't say for sure. I think we did. No, we did one on the alien interview. That's the alien interviews, which yep. is when we did. You're oh, right about that. Yep. Well, listeners, let us know. I'm 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 losing my mind already. I'm 46 years old. And I feel like I'm losing my mind, uh, memory at least. I kind of unfortunately. I don't want to disappoint our listeners. I'm leaning, obviously, towards the alien autopsy video being a fake. But my gosh, mm -hmm. if it's a fake, it's really well done. Right. I I would say the same thing, but with the caveat Ooh. that there Another is... Another word. Ad nauseum and now caveat. <laughs> yeah. There is, I believe, a genuine, real, authentic alien autopsy film that has not been leaked out, that hasn't been out, that maybe somebody knows about from the inside, but the story leaked out, and then you have people, you know, coming up with the idea to, well, let's fake this and put it, try to put it off as being real. I Maybe you know, is that, that's is that who, part of, perhaps, is that part of the larger cover-up still, you know? Sure. Maybe, you know, they're kind of like how they're putting... Yeah, what better way to cover up something by basically just throwing out any, you know, throwing, let, let's make a video in order to cover up a legit, sincere video that we mm -hmm. have in possession. Let's quote unquote leak a fake one out there. Yeah. Just that will eventually be proven to be a fake. And so therefore yep. everyone will forget about it and, and they won't yep. give a, give a crap. And, and look at how many people they can turn just with that, you know, They'll go with the, the fact that, oh, it's been deemed as fake, so obviously it is, so 
there they get uh like how many thousands of people on back on the side of uh, the government just because they'll believe what they hear <laughs> now one thing that is ironic about uh burlitz and moore and their book the roswell incident is that they were right about the government's uh, claim that a weather balloon had crashed as as Ros uh, let me rephrase that they were right by saying that the government's claim that the weather balloon that it was a weather balloon they were right in saying that that was wrong because it was not a weather balloon because in 1994 the air force admitted that the recovered material was in reality from a u.s spy balloon part of the aforementioned project mogul which was an attempt to monitor anticipated nuclear tests by the soviet Union. Finally, in 1997, a definitive, definitive Air Force report, the Roswell Report, case closed, ventured the opinion that stories of alien bodies may have come from civilian witnesses who saw either parachute crash, te parachute crash test dummies, a severely injured airman parachutist, oh, that's sad, and charred bodies from an airplane crash during the 1950s. See, that starts to get a little uh, convoluted for me because didn't this take place in 1947? And yeah. they're saying that these witnesses are mixing up reports of airplane crashes from the 1950s. Doesn't quite right. make sense. And the, well, the military says that th their report proposes that the witnesses consolidated all of these separate events Project Mogul materials, the crash test dummies, the airmen, and the charred bodies in their memories to create this one big foul-up, messed-up hoax-slash-mystery-slash-nothing-real-to-see-here-Roswell yeah. incident. Also, the dummies that they supposedly used in these tests, you know, they had these, like, they're like crash test dummies. They were, like, uh, supposedly, you know, uh, um, the average weight and height of a, of a, of a male at that time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of them, of them they use, but okay, say 1947, this is what they're saying was done with these these mannequins parachuting down. These mannequins were never used or even brought up and used in the military till the 50s. So in 47, these dummies did not even exist. See, again, that stuff that just makes you scratch your head and say, okay, something it's not all lining up, is it? It's just not it's not all easy peasy black and white there where right. it's like, well, this is no, this isn't it. This is what actually happened. It's like, well, no, you have to connect the dots here because what you're saying doesn't line up. Yeah. I don't know. But man. what they what they do and what or what they have done is saturated the the um the conspiracy list and, and the the uh saturated the uh, list of um explanations. You know, and why would they keep changing it? That's yeah. what they're doing. They're making one big convoluted mess uh -huh. where people are going to say, this is what happened. I believe this is this story that they told is real. I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And look what they've done. This lasted for how many decades? Yep. Nope. It's it's very, um, I don't want to say. Well, there's definitely, there's a structure to this seemingly convoluted Absolutely. mess. You know? Absolutely. It's. I kind of touched on that earlier, but well, now let's look at it from a different side, Mike. Ah. And no, I'm not turning around right now. <laughs> See, <laughs> I'm funny. 
look at it from a different side. Get it? And I'm turning around. Oh, I okay. Uh, Thanks for explaining it. <laughs> it's never a good joke when you have to explain it. That's <laughs> yeah. rule number one. I'm pulling out my trusty Ancient Aliens official companion uh, book right here. You know, Ancient Aliens. Giorgio Suclos, all those wonderful guys. Giorgio Suclos. Giorgio Suclos. Oh, where shall we start? I'm holding up a big old copy. They have a copy of the newspaper headline right there, as you can see that, Mike. Mm-hmm. As it says, our you know, RAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. You know, I'm not sure if in this article or if it's the following few weeks where it has that picture of Major Marcel when mm-hmm. he's holding the debris and he's kind of looking off towards the side. Um, oh, in the office? In the office there. And yep. it's interesting because like his son, or was it his, or is it his grandson, says that there's a reason he's looking off to the side like that. It has kind of a kind of a bemused look on his face because he's under strict orders at the, right at that moment to be in, you know, being told, nope, you're looking over here and you're just kind of holding this up and we're going to say this is this, whereas he knows differently. And so right. that's kind of, that's what his, what his uh, family members claim. So, Well, I believe years later, as he got older, he came around and was uh, more on the side of uh, um, ufology and... yeah. And that that story was really messed with, if I remember right. There's the there's said picture. No one can see it because yeah, very famous picture. And then also there's uh, pictures that show like uh, some forms or paperwork that's that got in that that picture, and uh, over years or whatever, and they were using uh, some software to kind of clean it up and see if they could read what those were, Mm -hmm. and supposedly and i i had seen the the photographs of it all cleaned up but it's such a mess it's really hard to really tell what it says but they're pointing out where it says uh, about the aliens recovered and all this stuff that actually said in this form but you know still another you know thing that's far from proven i do have some audio i'd like to share too so i don't have to annoy our listeners or mike with with my reading my nasally whiny voice um but just perusing through this article or this chapter i should say i will read this this is what george sukalos is writing he says why would the u.s army whose officers are trained experts at aircraft identification have confirmed that an alien Aircraft had crashed only to reverse themselves the next day. For both the public and the media, this switch became a huge red flag. Is it possible that the U.S. military actually did find a downed alien spacecraft during the summer of 1947, and a secret government protocol went into effect calling for the denial of such an event? Although Colonel Blanchard stuck with the revised story, Lieutenant Hout stood by the contents of his initial report his entire life, as did Major Jesse Marcel, the first army responder to the site at Roswell. So, I mean, there you go. Mm. Hmm. Following Roswell, the public began demanding answers about who or what was behind the unexplained flying objects seen in the skies. The government finally responded six weeks after the incident, not by answering the question, 
but with President Harry Truman creating the National Security Act. So, well, maybe, maybe that those two yeah. are related. I'm not sure. Do you think those that was related to the Roswell incident, Mike? It very well could be, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that believe that. Yeah. Oh gosh, it just the the timing is just perfect for that. It's perfect, yeah. Ah, you're a big fan of ancient aliens, Mike. Television. Show. I am. Yes. Now, hopefully, you'll be able to hear this pretty well. I want to share just a couple of brief clips because these clips can explain it uh, in short, compact, in a short, compact amount of time, as opposed to. Mike and I mumbling and bumbling and stumbling over our words. And uh, some of this stuff is pretty darn interesting anyways. The ones I want to share are labeled Roswell Secrets Revealed and Eyewitness Journal. Mm. Part one and part two. So, um, I guess without any further ado, In we'll Illinois, just go ahead and... Well, chew- I don't want to have you guys hear the commercial there because that's always wonderful. Looks like this is a, oh, that's a wonderful um, political ad. So good thing I'm not playing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's that time of the year, man. It's that time of the year. Here we go. Can you hear? Oh, first and foremost, Mike, can you hear that? I can. Okay. I shall shut up and let you guys listen. A former CIA operative, investigator, and author, Ben Smith has been intrigued by Roswell and UFOs for years. Investigating was at the core of my work at CIA. I went under deep cover, lived a double life to collect intel on terrorist networks, foreign spy activities, even weapons of mass destruction. Smith says this may be his most challenging mission, trying to figure out the truth about what really crashed near Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. During his investigation, Smith will work with Joe Papalardo, a veteran journalist Papa Lardo. specializes in aviation. <laughs> I'm gonna pop something. My investigation. Man, that, that guy sits down in the toilet. All you hear is, yeah, <laughs> chunk a dump a chunk. <laughs> God dang it! That's I'm not dunk a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! Uh, continuing. Investigation really starts from this man here, Jesse Marcel Sr., the chief of intelligence at the 509th bomber group at Roswell Army Air Force Base. Jesse Marcel Sr. kept a small army portfolio of his military records and in it a small journal. Jesse Marcel, the man at the center of the claim that Roswell was a cover-up, kept this journal among his most important papers. Obviously, it was very valuable to him. The question is, is it a key to my investigation? Some of the dates described in the journal capture 1947. It's a remarkable piece of history, and nobody really knows about it yet. You're right to be excited. If this is real, if this is an actual journal from that time, it would represent a primary source document from that era. So that's the thing that you want to go after as a researcher. I would like to take a look at what you got to see a little bit more about this diary. Let me actually bring it up on the projector here. This is the notebook here. Right away, I see a typical uh, Army field issue notebook. I want to clarify something real quick, by the way. This is not Ancient Aliens. This is a history program called History's Greatest Mysteries. So this has nothing to do Uh, with Georgia Sukulos. Okay. So, hey, say what you will. Maybe that adds even more legitimacy to some some, uh, listeners out there. I shall continue. 
book. So here we have a date, 1946. This entire journal comes from when he was at Roswell. Correct. Our date here, we have August 31st, 1947, about six weeks, seven weeks after the U.S. Army Corps put out their infamous UFO crash at Roswell, flying disc. There's a beautiful cursive handwriting. And then if we fast forward, shift. <laughs> Just kind of erratic, mixed case, blocky lettering. And I can't make sense of it. A couple of things leap to mind immediately when you see a change that's this drastic. It's impossible not to notice that it's, that it's different. It's either a different person writing it or it's a same person in different mindset. Yeah, so just to be clear, they're going over this these uh, this eyewitness journal stuff. They're looking at these uh, slides of the pages written in there. And like he mentioned, it starts off in this really nice, beautiful cursive handwriting. And then when you kind of go further and further down the line, all of a sudden it starts appearing in a very, very, very different handwriting style uh, print, you know, kind of just printed, I should say, not printed, but uh, handwritten, very blocky letters. Some, like he just said, that something is happening that's really interesting to cause this uh, this change in handwriting style. I shall continue. Is that by design or is that just unintentional? The content seems the same. How does the journal compare with the timeline of the incident? Well, there's, there's no mention of, of Roswell at all, no mention of any events, no mention of any wreckage. It's just these jokes and quotes and musings and ideas captured in different handwriting. And there's only sporadic dates. They read like quotes from Reader's Digest. Life is what you make it until someone comes along and changes it. Two half-brothers make one. Well, now that I am too old to set a bad example, I delight in giving good advice. So it meant something to him, but no one knows what. Yeah. He's a soldier. He was in charge of intelligence at the 509th. He, he knew a lot of secrets. He took them very seriously. It's kind of hard to imagine the seriousness that people back then took secrecy and took nuclear secrecy uh -huh. and, and nuclear weapons in particular. I mean, there were hordes of Soviet spies trying to get this information at the time. In 1947, the United States and the Soviet Union were already Cold War enemies. The U.S. possessed nuclear weapons while the Soviets did not. Major Jesse Marcel and his colleagues in the 509th Bomber Squadron wanted to keep it that way. They were basically the only nuclear bombing group in the world. He was entrusted with the biggest secrets that the military has. One thing that the, that was the his grandson, Jesse insist on is that their grandfather was absolutely certain that the debris that he was holding in this photo right here, the official government photos and the press release, is not the debris that he found in the field. I see my grandfather holding up something that he knew that wasn't what he found. He was adamant that this was not what he saw in the debris field. I see a man that is not liking what they're having him do, mm -hmm. but he knows he has to do it because that's his job. That's not what he found. And at that point in time, I'm sure he kind of felt, well, maybe I'm going to be made out to be a fall guy. Keeping a secret is one thing, but telling a lie is another. And being the face of that lie in the newspaper could break a man like Jesse Marcel. Well, that could explain the difference in the journal as well. Someone under that much stress, who knows how that manifests, it's different handwriting because in a different mental state. 
What made the writing so cryptic? And why did it suddenly change? Did it have to do with the UFO or its passengers? Okay, so you've got this hot piece of evidence in your hands. How do you plan on verifying that it's real? I think the first step is to authenticate the document itself. Is this dated to the time period or is this a recreation? Okay, so we'll, just so we save some time here, I'll pause for now. We'll return to the audio in a little bit. That's pretty intriguing though, Mike. I, I, I'm sorry I didn't share the screen with you, but you could hear it, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, so... um. It's easy to find on YouTube, Histories, Mysteries, the Ros, you know, re Secrets Revealed, and the journal here of Mr. Major Jesse Marcel. I, I find that a really intriguing point about, you know, the, the change, the obvious change in the handwriting as if it was kind of signifying a change in, the, in his mental state, perhaps. Right. You know, under such stress, wanting to be... Wanting to do what's right, but also wanting to do his job. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and at that point, he had no choice. Whether it was his job or not, he was under orders to do what he had to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, but being in the position that he was, it was his job. But, um, yeah, it would be very difficult. Mike, would you have broke rank if this was you back then? Oh, geez. I mean, if you were the same person that you are, and this was you in a previous life, how would you think you would have uh, handled it? Oh, man. Uh, it would have been different, but I also would have had to have thought of, uh, you know, what, what goes through a man like, man's mind like that is you have so much invested in your career, you know the trouble that you can get into if you're not doing what you're told to do. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're just at such a... You know, it could be that no matter what is morally in your mind, you have to do with deal with what is ordered for you to do. I mean, you know, not like you have to, you know, whatever immorally thing that you might be ordered to do, you know, within reason, within the legal system. But as far as like, uh, you know, the Roswell incident or flying saucers or aliens um, you have to weigh the difference and you'll have to do what you're told to do. But when the time came to where I could be released from that, then it would be a different story, which has happened a lot in this whole, how many, whatever few years of uh, slow dis uh, um, disclosure has been going on, you know, people coming out when they can. So that would have been me. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So you definitely would have been torn, and oh, I would have hated it every yeah. minute after it happened. Yeah, you just be like you could. You'll be counting down the days until you are free to just reveal. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, I just, I'm not a secretive person by any by any no. measure, and no. so I'm just talking for me personally. I'm I no, you are not either. I mean, I'm like kind of. I'm kind of like a obnoxiously open. <laughs> you know? I'm like very, very. Uh, I'm I'm easy to get to know. You want? Hey, just ask me anything you want to know. I'm yeah. Gonna, um, I won't go reveal it just to you know. I'll, 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 yeah. You know, for shits and giggles, but if I trust you, I'll tell you. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's that would just kind of rip me apart, man. Because I'm like you. You want to do your job. You want to be responsible. 
but you and it's also to... like the fear of what can happen to you. Yeah, you don't want to lie. They, they have a way of putting fear in you. <laughs> do we know? I'm going to do a quick search here. Do we know if there is any audio of a Jesse Marcel interview? Did he ever appear? I have camera? never looked that up. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be. It seems like. Yeah, just on a quick search here, I'm not really seeing anything about him or any audio from him. You would find more about uh, um, his uh, son and what he's done. Yeah, exactly. And interviews, yep. So if you're interested, uh, go yeah, go check out History's Greatest Mysteries of Roswell Secrets Revealed and Eyewitness Journal. Um, I played you part one. This is of a longer program, obviously, so we're not going to bore you to death. Well, you wouldn't be bored, but we're not going to take up all of our time, right? <laughs> we got a podcast to do here. I did. Hey, you got business. I did find the ancient aliens <laughs> clip here. The Roswell debris, ancient aliens. This is only three and a half minutes. Let's play this one. Sure. There's Mr. George Sukalos. Ah, such great hair. Wonderful hair on that name. Sweet tarts. And then another commercial about sweet tarts. So, <laughs> wonderful. And I'll be done in about seven seconds, counting down. Five, four, three, a two, and a one. A one. And here we go. And that's not the one I wanted to play. Of course, uh, this one. <laughs> Sorry about that. This is ancient. April of 2014. Ancient astronaut theorist Giorgio Sukalos traveled to Walker Air Force Base in Roswell, New Mexico to meet with the city's mayor, Del Journey, and to get a rare look at the hangar where the Roswell wreckage and extraterrestrial bodies were allegedly first taken. Wow. This is huge. So what do you think? Man, I have goosebumps right now. I mean, we're walking on history. It's amazing, isn't it? And are, you, are you familiar where the spot is, where they actually Well, you, you know, the information that I have says that it's probably right over here in the corner. Uh, they took them over there, did a, an examination of the bodies. So we should point out, too, that this was like 2014, as it said, and this was from the mayor. And, you know, hey, let's just be frank. You can still be Mike. I'll be frank. Um... People are all about bringing in money to their town. You know, mm -hmm. um, Roswell itself has, what, festivals? <laughs> you know, I mean, they definitely... Oh, every year they, they yeah. uh, do it up pretty big. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that that delegitimizes it at all. Nope. At all. But, you know, they're being they're being financially wise. Yeah. You know, they're if taking they didn't advantage. have that, who knows what the town would be right now. I mean... That's a great point. Drying up... But I wonder if that hangar, that would be so cool if we could find out, talk to whoever the mayor is there now and say, uh, would you mind if we rented out the uh, hangar for just one evening, oh. one night, overnight, <laughs> do a live stream from there. And this thing is massive. <laughs> this is a massive yeah. hangar. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Mike it's, it's, I've seen it. It's like uh, when I was in the military and we, um, we our offices were in a, a hangar that was converted. It was all open so we could park vehicles in there right. and that's where we worked out of and that thing was unbelievably huge i yep. mean b52 size oh wow yeah that looks like you know that's yeah 
This yeah, this could definitely fit uh, Mike and myself in it. Well, let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> Just kind of sit up against the wall in the back corner. Yeah. With their little laptop in front of us. <laughs> well, it's actually it's actually so large is that you could probably sit in one corner and I could sit in another corner and we could yeah. just do a do a chat via Zoom. <laughs> That's right. That would be awesome. All right. Uh, continuing the clip. <laughs> this is where it was. This is it. Yeah, come on in. They have the debris out here in the hangar area, and they bring the bodies inside this room. I really don't know what to say, because, I mean, if this was it, you're standing where, it, yeah. where extraterrestrial beings might have been. Where did the debris go? Where did it end up? Well, it ended up with the government, of course. I, my understanding is it took the bodies to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Certainly, probably took the debris as well and have it well-preserved in a military installation someplace. Roswell researchers suggest a government-sanctioned bond of secrecy has prevented witnesses of the crash and retrieval from coming forward publicly. But many did choose to come forward later in life including the first military officer to arrive at the Roswell crash site, Major Jesse Marcel. According to his grandson, Marcel privately shared many details of his experience with the family. My grandfather, Major Jesse Marcel, he was the head of intelligence for the 509th Bombing Group. As a kid, basically around the dinner table, we talked about Roswell. And through conversations, we learned that my grandfather was the lead investigator into what has become known as the Roswell incident. And when he was looking at debris, he couldn't make heads or tails or any sense out of what he was looking at. He had gathered some of the debris and decided to take it home with him. He kind of came to this idea that he said, you know, whatever this stuff is, it's very significant. It's going to change humanity. And I want my family to be part of it. This is very important. According to the family story, Major Marcel came home after his first visit to the site and laid the debris out on the floor of their kitchen. Some of the material was a strange, thin metal, similar to foil, except when crumpled up into a ball, it would bounce back to its flawless state. Marcel also claims the metal was not the same material featured in newspaper photographs being held by his grandfather. There's a pretty famous picture of him holding a piece of debris, which is trying to be a piece of foil, basically, and it was weather balloon material. He grudgingly went along with the story, held it. And if you take a look at that, you'll notice that he's not looking at the camera. He's looking up somebody barking him orders. He fell in line uh, begrudgingly and did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's kind of what we just kind of hit on a little bit earlier, so. Yeah. When you're in the military like that, you, um, you're under an obligation, a, a sworn oath, and, and uh, um, they make sure that you know that that's the way things are, yeah. starting in basic training. No questions yeah, asked. No questions asked. <laughs> well, Mike, to wrap up this, uh, this topic here for this episode... Um, thanks again for joining me. This has been fun. Uh, this has oh, flown by. Fun every time. Yeah. And on our new uh, podcast recording night of Wednesday. So, yes. Let us know. Uh, can I do one thing that. real quick with. Hell I no. Cannot, I cannot uh, do a subject or a topic on Roswell without mentioning yeah. 
the one man that has really had a lot to do with bringing Roswell to, to the, the, the public worldwide, and that's uh, Stanton Friedman. Oh, very you know, good, yeah. passed yeah. away in 2019, but uh, he was... You're a big uh, fan, big fan. He was the, yes, he was the big person. He was the person that brought the story out uh, and started uh, researching it right away. Um, and it was because of him that, uh, I mean, it would have came out anyway and would have been made making more progress, I'm sure, but he really steamrolled it. Absolutely brought it to the forefront. Uh, yep. Hastened it, that's for yep. sure. Hastened the spread of the story. Yeah. Mike, have you heard of, are you familiar with what is known as the Roswell Rock? Yes. Um, can I, I read this? Can I read this really quick? Yes, it's very interesting, and it's, yeah, well worth okay, touching so on. Just, just bear with me, listeners. I have to read this. It's only one page, like one long paragraph. Uh, on a September morning, 2004, Robert Ridge was tracking deer 11 miles from the infamous UFO crash site in Roswell, New Mexico, when an unusual object caught his eye, small triangular rock sticking out of the sand, which appeared to have an intricate design embossed on its surface. The design, featuring two smaller circles overlaid on a larger circle, each of the smaller circles incised with what looked like symbols for the sun and the moon, it is so intentional and so finely carved that the rock is clearly not the byproduct of natural forces. I would hope not. That would be really mm-hmm. creepy if uh, just natural erosion yeah. created that perfect shape, perfect design. And yet it was not obviously man-made either. The beveled edges of the design were incredibly precise and clear, even under the high magnification of a microscope, suggesting an advanced laser-cutting tool was used to carve it. Now, deepening the mystery of the rock, studies of the stone revealed that not only was it magnetized, but also it was a type of rock not native to the area. Astonishingly, it would turn out that the design rising from the face of the Roswell rock was an exact match for a 120-foot-long crop Great. circle crop circle discovered in a wheat field below the Liddington Castle, Hill Fort in Chiselton, near Swindon, England. Swindon, England. In August 1996, almost a decade earlier and 5,000 miles away. Could the matching designs, one discovered so near the site of the most impactful UFO sighting of the modern era and the one and one part of an ongoing unexplained phenomena be just a coincidence, Mike? Coincidence? No. All right. See you next week. Now. <laughs> now. Igor, coincidence? No. I didn't think it's, so. It, there's got to be uh, uh, there's got to be a connection through all of that. It, I mean, you know, space and time as far as like the miles apart from these things means nothing to uh, whoever these can be uh, attributed to. It doesn't. So, it, that's just you really, know, again, if it is man-made i mean that's obvious uh, i don't even i don't know that one's a it's a real real head squat a scratcher it's a head scratcher <laughs> it's a head scratcher um so definitely Patrick in his speech impediment i can't help it today my gosh it's these wednesday <laughs> recordings man i just can't help it yeah I don't know what's well going we gotta on. get used to that this is what's going on but, inside my brain right now yeah so, yeah sorry about that but you know you figure uh you know 
the the crop circle that was in England that I you know perfectly matched this design on this rock. The meaning for that crop circle there in England, um, this rock has the same meaning where it was found. It's just that you know it, it's just in a different uh, a different form. Um, uh, it, it's a very important find, um, and to have it made. I mean, the way it was uh, checked out and everything, it's just so intricate and so perfect in design and what, you know, almost like it was stamped into it. I mean, it was so, yeah, it looked so, uh, you know. And like they said, just, it was so precise. It was like it was you yeah. know, from a laser, you know, more than likely from a laser, you know, but yeah. I, I want to know, I, I want to know the age of this, of this yeah. rock. Yeah. Unfortunately, that they really can't carbon date rock i guess but that's how would they find out the age of yeah it's it's interesting but the rock itself even without that design on it is just such a smooth and uh, almost tooled smooth yeah rock i mean it's it's just a beautiful piece see yeah, that's it's amazing and i'm not being a, i'm not being a stinker poo here by by saying that <laughs> you know but uh you know, because the pseudo-skeptics, the non-believers would immediately say, well, we don't know how old it is. Why Why is it so hard to believe that that isn't just carved from a, a very, you know, an artisan, you know, an artist. Right. And he just saw this crop circle, this picture of a crop circle, and, hey, I'm going to carve this into a rock, and I'm going to throw it throw it away. And it somehow it ended well, up. Well, you know, and in the way I look at it, actually, is age probably, I don't even think age matters to it, about it. I mean, it's, what do, what there's do you mean? so what do you much, mean there's, I mean, it could have been made. Uh, for some reason, by uh, an alien being, um, the the day before it was found, you know, it it still contains enough reason for being uh, as big as it is, you know, just with the other connections with the with the crop circle in England or the proximity of the the crash. I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing too. It was like not even eleven miles from the Roswell site. So I mean it adds Maybe a little, it was adds yeah, right, exactly. Maybe it was on the ship and you know, the, the ship I think started breaking up before it came down. What if uh um this came from the ship? That's another thing too. Thank you for you saying know? that. I love that idea, Mike, that it was like maybe on board the spacecraft. Right. That's another thing. We didn't really have time to dive into that, but there's a lot of crazy, bizarre theories out there. Different, well, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say crazy, but definitely weird and eccentric. Well, because, we can come up with more, even. Oh I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, there are some people who believe that the that um, it wasn't a pilot, an alien pilot error that caused the the um, craft to crash. It was actually struck by lightning. Right. That's a, that is a theory. There was storms in the area at the time and some say that you know they say well why the hell are they hovering that close to earth anyways you know some suggest that they were overseen watching us because hey nuclear weapons hello uh they're checking that out making sure we're not blowing ourselves up perhaps yeah um it's there's lots of stuff out there that just isn't answered and quite frankly will never never will be answered and that's why we're people well, like you and i are still talking about it we can hope you know, for answers still. I mean, you know, the whole disclosure thing, you know, hopefully that's going to keep coming. And with disclosure, we can maybe learn about the true, um, you know, things that happened. 
what do you think about the crazy idea that because it is well known that you know that not to throw out this chipper guy that Hitler was really really um, forceful and adamant about creating high powered new uh, machinery you know yes. for military purposes. Uh, we're talking battleships. We're talking airships. I mean, some people say that this was a Nazi craft that somehow mm-hmm. wandered over uh, international airlines on its way over to Roswell. And I mean, I'm not suggesting I, that at all. But you never. Know. I don't think. I don't think the Roswell was a Nazi um, uh, craft. I think the Nazis. Well, it's it's known that they were working on certain crafts like this, and I think I believe anti gravity and right. a lot of things like that. That, uh, but I don't think that they made it far enough to be out flying one of their ships like uh, overseas. Like how we would, like Over, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like how we would see UFOs and things like yep. that. I don't think. I think they hit. I mean, this is just my you know, off the top of my head feelings about it, but I think they just, there's parts of it that they, they couldn't get, they couldn't get right. They couldn't uh, manage it to make it work. Right. Um, you know, if the aliens were here during that time and, uh, uh, really overseeing and what we're doing with nuclear power and they didn't want us to, they, the way it seems and the way we have heard over history that they don't really want us to have these nuclear weapons or the, this um uh knowledge or you know way to use these things so if they were messing with our uh missile sites and everything and shutting down showing us what they can do why would they allow another country to design a ship with their technology that's gonna yeah you know cause so much damage and and destruction to the other parts of the world, wherever the Germans decided to yeah. use this technology. No, I got you. you know, I got whether you. it was, you know, something that just Hitler was doing or, um, you know, I can't think that it would have been alien technology that they were giving the Nazis. You know. Well, again, we've also suggested, you know, okay, we're going way off the deep end here. Right. Well, the- I just don't think they would have uh, chosen sides like that. Right, but what what I was going to say is we've also talked about, you know, it's an infinite universe. Um, are they all are all alien beings of a malevolent nature? You oh, know? right. We have talked to that. That's, yeah, true. And so maybe there are dickhead, dinky aliens out there who want to blow up the Earth, and so they're giving it to idiots like Hitler. Here you go. You know, do it. Yeah. Do yourselves in. I mean, again, I'm yeah. being kind and of weird. Having here. that done without them having to... Uh, use their technology and have them blamed on doing it yeah. let's let's make it so the other guys can so they can kill each other i'm with you though too mike i don't think that you know anybody had that advanced technology back in 1947 to be able to uh yeah. secretly um you know basically what's the word I'm, I'm looking for well again flying overseas into highly secure air yeah. fields you know it just it doesn't make sense to someone like me again who the hell knows yeah i believe the technology could have been introduced 
but not given all the not plans perfected. to where, yeah, where mean, it can be like the idea could be, there, be done you know but right. as far as them being able to actually perfect it and actually utilize yeah. it you know no yeah. I, i'm with you on that one so. they could have done that knowing that well they aren't going to get this for another 300 years anyway <laughs> so <laughs> right. you know but the seed had to be planted somewhere and in the meantime we're going to drop this rock out out our window and hopefully someone will find it you know, in yeah. nine, 2004 or whatever that yeah. year was or something. Yeah. So. Boy, we just traveled the world with that, those explanations. Yeah. And <laughs> just a, here's a token that we are, a token reminder that we were here. Whoopsie, dropped their little, yeah. our little stone carving out the window. Well, Mike, this has been great as always. Um, as always. Again, if you guys enjoy the podcast, uh, shameless plug time, we'd love to see you at the Patreon page, both the Paranomaly Zone Patreon page where you find exclusive content just just like this, if you enjoy this. We're even a little even more laid back on our Patreon episodes. We have 54 <clears throat> exclusive Patreon episodes recorded and available already, including commentary and breakdown episodes of like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters episodes, any number of, of uh, well-known cryptid slash alien slash ghost videos. We're sharing those. We're talking about those uh, creature features our own personal paranormal investigation audio and video clips. You want to see Mike and I run around like idiots in cemeteries. Hey, go check out the Patreon page and our exclusive Patreon podcast, Retro and Randoms, which has nothing to do with the paranormal. <laughs> it doesn't have to at all. All things, all things pop culture, movies, music, television, just anything. It's with a heavy dose focus on, yeah, retro, but also heavy dose on random. Our last two topics included Indiana Jones, and the last episode was Flippin' Pantera. I can't drop the F-bomb like I did on Retro and Randoms. But, uh, Still, what what the heck is a Pantera? Oh, you hush. Just hush. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I put that on, uh, for on the, the Twitter. And for what that, the hell's a Pantera? For that last episode, <laughs> um, longtime listeners recognize my co-host for that episode, formerly known as Mr. Show. Yeah, my brother, Joe. A passionate music fan, as am I, and we had a great time talking about all things Pantera. Again, totally non-related to paranormal, just fun, good times. I think you guys would enjoy it. And Mike, we got Retro and Randoms episode 10 coming up already, yes. so we got to think of something good. Gotta yeah, think of something good. and a uh, uh, big thank you to uh, your brother from the same mother for filling in for me again on another... <laughs> I, I know, I know yeah. you... Just, just don't, don't feel down or don't feel left out. I do, you know? I do. But no, hey, if, no. Hey, if it's making your brother happy, then goddamn it, we're good. No, no, <laughs> no, no. All right. No. Well, thank so, you very much again for joining me. Thank you to all of our listeners out there, our family, yes. friends, oh, our pure family, our paranormal, our fellow paranormal ponderers and zoners. Mike. Until next time, my friend. What? do we all have to do everybody just peace out <laughs>